Hey, thanks for listening to the Berwyn AG Podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Christian Life Center in Berwyn, Illinois. Our goal is to create a real faith for the real world. We hope this podcast helps you grow closer to the Lord. For more information, you can visit our website, berwynag.org, or you can find us on all social media platforms at Berwyn AG. If you're blessed by what you hear today, be sure to share and subscribe. Thanks, and as always, God bless. The righteous will live by faith, right? The righteous will live by faith. That's what the scripture says, right? If you have your Bible, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Thank you. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 7. Everything in the Christian walk is designed to deepen our faith. Everything you go through in your life is allowed there to be in your life as a child of God to deepen your faith because faith is the commodity of highest value in the kingdom of God. Faith is the thing that makes everything work. It's the greatest payoff to your, to your life. We are healed by faith, we go forward by faith, we are rewarded by faith, our salvation is by faith, everything is by faith in the Christian walk. Amen? Amen. So it makes sense that Jesus' teachings challenge us to develop spiritual disciplines that will, that will deepen our faith. That's the whole purpose of spiritual disciplines is that they, they deepen our faith, they put our roots down. We're used to hearing about these spiritual disciplines in church. We're used to hearing about things like loving one another. That's a discipline because some people, how many of you know some people are hard to love? Don't point, just raise your hand if you know. Some people are hard to love. Prayer, you know, that's a spiritual discipline. You've got to learn that. It's a discipline that we learn about in church, right? Fasting, that's a, a discipline that we learn about. And these are all there to deepen our faith. Sharing our faith with someone. Evangelism, that is something that we learn, a dis spiritual discipline that we have. Silence, solitude. We could go on with lots of other spiritual disciplines that we practice in this busy world that are, are there specifically to deepen our faith. So this morning we're looking at one of those, and it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. We're going to spring off of this text and have a conversation about what the Spirit is challenging us to do. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love that we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. In the New Testament, there's several different types of giving, and we're going to look at those in a second. Every spiritual discipline is supported by other spiritual disciplines. And so it's important for us to recognize if we're going to excel, if we're going to meet the commandment of the Scripture to excel in the grace of giving, then we have to have that 
propped up by other spiritual disciplines, other spiritual gifts, other, other fruit of the Spirit. For instance, you can't, you can't give if you don't have the fruit of the Spirit of generosity working on the inside of you, right? You need that. That's a, that's a fruit of the Spirit to be able to be generous. Uh, you, you, if you, like you can't go bless somebody if you're reluctantly going to give to them. You know, if God speaks to your heart, hey, go give them $5 and you don't want to give them $5, but you're going to be obedient, you're going to need a spiritual infusion of joy in order to go hand somebody $5, right? Otherwise, they won't, they'll, if, they, if you look like they're stealing it from you, they won't want to receive the gift, right? There's a, there's a little rule there. So frugality, generosity, Compassion, just having compassion on other people so that you can give to them uh, is important. Faith, of course, and the ability to save money so that you have something to give. Somebody say amen to that. All those kinds of things, those disciplines, those fruit, those gifts of the Spirit, all those things have to be working on the inside of us. So we'll take a look real quick at the, thing, the ways that the New Testament talks to us about giving. First one is giving to the poor or the needy. You've, you know about this. In the King James Version, it calls this almsgiving. It is uh, giving a dollar or two to a homeless guy. It is uh, being kind to the needy, those who are hurting in their, their life, helping a brother or sister who is struggling, maybe supporting the food pantry with $5 a month, you know, so that they can reach out to others who you'll never meet, but uh, by just by giving them $5 in a recurring gift on time, toot, toot, I'm tooting our own horn there, then you can be able to uh, minister by just giving blessing with a, 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 a giving to the needy. And so uh, that's one manner. The, the second manner is uh, in giving in an offering. An offering is a self-styled gift. It is a gift that you give based on what you feel in your heart you ought to give to someone, and that sometimes can happen too in the, in the body of Christ. Uh, or maybe it's uh, in, in, in response to a spiritual prompting. You feel the Holy Spirit prompt you to, to uh, give to a missionary or give to someone. Uh, I always talk about giving to missionaries as uh, uh, fasting a pizza. Uh, looks around, I look around and it looks like we could fast a couple pizzas here. So. Um, Right? So, uh, you know, if you, if I always, I, I try to start off missions giving by just give, just give what you would give in a pizza. And you say, well, pastor, pizzas, some pizzas are $5 and some pizzas are, you know, $35. Well, what kind of blessing do you want? A $5, you want a little Caesar's blessing or you want a, <laughs> come on now. Some of us are willing to settle for a Domino's blessing, and I'm telling you, God has better blessings for you than that. And so I always say, if that's the kind of pizza that you eat, then see, if it's not a pizza that you, you, if you don't eat Little Caesars, but you're willing to give Little Caesars to a missionary, then I got a question about your real love for missions. I sat uh, next to a guy when I was in Bible college, and he was a missionary's kid, and he was raised in South Africa, well-known missionary there, and he told me about stories of how churches would collect their used tea bags and put them in boxes and ship them to South Africa to give to missionaries. I just got to tell you that I have never been that much of a cheapskate to give somebody a used tea bag. Right? 
There's sometimes that I will dip my own tea bag a second time, see if I can be a little cheap about that. But I'm not going to give my used tea bag to you. If we care about reaching the world around us, if we care about missionaries, then we have to give offerings that are uh, commensurate with our love and our desire to see change in the world around us. Another, you know, we're going to take an offering next week because this, the sanctuary has a specific need. We're, we, we, we blew out a furnace in the middle of January, and so uh, we're operating, well, actually, we've, we've already replaced the furnace, but now we have to pay for the furnace that we replaced. Come on, somebody, you know how that is, right? Yeah, the bill has come due, and so we need to do, that's an offering too, you know, that's, a, that's an offering. When someone comes in and speaks and they woo us and they wow us with their, their great speaking and we respond, that's an offering too. We give to them and out of, out of our heart. I, I'll be honest, I give to almost every opportunity to give that comes across my desk. Uh, not always greatly but I'll give what I can afford because I want to be a part of the blessing. I want to be a part of the machinery of the kingdom of God that makes a difference in the world around us. Sometimes you get a, an offering. Somebody will, will uh, fold up a $20 bill and put it in their hand, and you'll get one of those handshakes. How many of you ever had, you've ever had somebody hand you some money in a handshake, one of those Pentecostal handshakes where you get that money? Raise your hand if you, you've ever had that. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Come on, when somebody, when you just shake somebody's hand, all of a sudden you realize, hey, there's a little handshake left over after they pull their hand away. <laughs> that is a wonderful thing. That's an offering. We get, a we get the wonderful opportunity to, to, to bless one another. I tell you, we want to make somebody's day. If you, if you see somebody whose vitamin D is down and their spirit is down and there's a gray day, there's no sunshine out there and they're operating in sort of a dysfunctional funk, just slip $20. You could fix that for less than their medication will, will by slipping $20 in your hand and just walking up and say, hey, I love you, and I'm, praying, I'm going to pray for you this week because you, you, know, you look like you need a booster shot from Jesus. And that you can bless somebody like that. Then there's uh, tithing. Some people argue with me that tithing is not found in the New Testament. That, of course, is not correct. But uh, tithing is is uh, an Old Testament principle found in the Old Testament, not Old Covenant. Don't be misunderstood. Don't be deceived by that. Um, but it, it, in Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, he says, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you certainly will not enter the kingdom of heaven. That verse makes me want to make sure that my righteousness surpasses the righteousness of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. If you look at that, Jesus then begins to talk about in Matthew 5 and, and Matthew 6, he goes through all these, these dysfunctional interpretations of Old Testament, these dysfunctional spiritual practices and spiritual disciplines. Jesus addresses giving. He addresses uh, uh, loving your neighbor. He addresses the way that you pray, uh, uh, abandoning your gift at the altar until you can rectify things with your neighbor, all these things, lusts, marriages, oaths, all these things are addressed in the next chapter, in the next few chapters because uh, Jesus is trying to show his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount how to allow real righteousness. Look at your neighbor and say, real righteousness. 
real righteousness, the kind of real righteousness that exceeds that of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And one thing we know about the Pharisees and the Sadducees is that they did tithe. Jesus commends them for that, actually, in Matthew 23, verse 23. He commends them that for, for tithing, he says, you tithe off your herbs. Now, I don't know if you have ever, anybody ever grow herbs in here? Not herb, uh, no. <laughs> don't tithe off your herb. I don't want to come in and find a bale over here on top of the... Although we could spin that for a lot of cash. But anyway, <laughs> tithe off your herbs. Herbs grow like weeds, right? You plant mint, and mint grows. You don't got to be tending it. It just keeps growing and growing. It smells good. And so the herbs grow, and they, 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 they just grow. So the, the Pharisees were so uh, legalistically right, righteous so dedicated to do that. Now, Jesus rebukes them in the same sentence for not loving and showing mercy. You know, the real big things of the law. But fundamentally, he says, you, you know, it's good that you tithe. He said, you should have done the former without the latter. You know, people tell me, oh, tithing's not found in the New Testament. Well, Matthew 23, verse 23, will tell, tell you different about that. And, and so, so if we look at tithing, we see tithing in the Old Testament. Uh, Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. And uh, in Genesis 28, uh, I think it was Jacob tithe there, committed a, a tenth of everything as a thanksgiving to the Lord. And so he committed 10% uh, to the Lord. The tithe is 10%. I, I was reading something this, this week on the Internet and uh, on tithing. And as I was reading it, the, the fellow said, so how much should we tithe? That is not a mystery. A tithe means one-tenth. So you don't have to worry. Now, you don't have to worry about figuring that out. God's done all the math for you. A tithe is a tenth. Now, so, so you, you, I don't understand how people could have a, a mystery about that, other than maybe they just don't understand the word. Some people say that it was under the Old Covenant, but it was before the Old Covenant. One thing I like about the tithe is it's perfectly fair. The tithe is perfectly fair. It, if you made... 20 bucks this week, then you put $2 in the basket. If you made $200,000 this week, then your tithe is bigger than that. But it's the exact same percentage. It's equal in, in the sense of percentage. It's really, it's really a wonderful way for everyone to be a part of the support of ministry in the church and the support of ministry as it goes forward. In fact, if everybody tithed, uh, first of all, you wouldn't have a hear sermon like that, but if everybody tithed, <laughs> if everybody tithed, we were, right, that's a drop the mic moment, except I'm not dropping the mic. I got more to say. The tithe is never commanded of the Gentiles. And that's where our verse today uh, comes. What was, what's commanded of the Gentiles, according to the, commanded of the Gentiles in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, is giving that is an act of thanksgiving, an act of your will, it's volitional, it's proportional to your, your income, 
It is for the support of ministry, because in Corinthians 9, verse 14, it says that ministers should make their living from the ministry. It has, uh, it has a promise of supply from God. In other words, where now if you look at that, the same exact things are true of the tithe. It's an act of thanksgiving, it's volitional, it has a promise from God, it is proportional to what you, what you make. It's just not used of the, of the speaking to the Gentiles, because the Gentiles didn't practice tithing. But still the same proportional uh, giving with the idea of blessing is on it. So I always recommend to new believers that they should give one-tenth of their income to the Lord. Now you say, well, Pastor, you, don't you live off that? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Doesn't the church need money? Yes, the church needs money. Isn't it offensive when people hear the church begging for money? Yeah, so tithe. That way no, nobody has, no new believer has to be offended. Uh, to, to me, one-tenth is a great beginning place because it, you know for a certainty that your righteousness will exceed that of the Pharisees. And you know of a certainty. Now you say, well, that seems like an awful lot of money. Not when you consider what you're going to pay in taxes this year. Not, not what you consider. If you consider uh, that God allows you to keep 90% of your income, it's a blessing. So let me, let me, let's talk about why we tithe. We tithe, number one, to worship. We give thanks to God. Deuteronomy 8, verse 18 tells us that we should give to the Lord uh, first and that we should give to God what is God's. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 21. So it's a recognition that, in fact, when you bring your tithe to the Lord, you're actually saying, here's the Lord, okay, here's this portion that you've asked for, but Lord, in, by, in so doing, I'm declaring that all of it is yours, Lord. You can spend it how you want. You can tell me, and you can tell me, get up and go write that person a check for $100, and I will gladly do that, Lord, because I know the God who supplied all my needs according to his riches and glory would not ask me to do that unless he has another blessing for me to, to receive on the other end of that. I'm absolutely confident. We'll look at that promise in a minute. Uh, I prayed earlier today that you would all have a promise. You're going to have a promise. I'm going to give you one of the best promises in Scripture right here from this, uh, this passage of Scripture. But we, we uh, in doing this, we have this great opportunity to be a part of the pipeline of God's blessing to other people's lives. See, if you want to be a... We, now, the danger of this is we live in a nation full of spectators. Spectators, couch taters, whatever you want to call them. People who watch other people. You see, football is not a game you should watch. It's a game you should play. People who should watch football are people like Ron and me who are old and we'll hurt ourselves if we play football so we can watch football. But people who are young, it's not the same as playing, but we've turned this into, and then we complain about how much money they make. Well, the reason they make these, these professional athletes make all this money is because you don't want to play. <laughs> the truth, if you, if you said, let's go have a pickup game in the park across the street from your house, Pastor Dave, I'd say, let's go, I'll get a whistle and be the referee or something. But I would be involved in the game because it's that, that, but we, if we live in a nation full of spectators, then it's sometimes it's easy to be a person who stands on the sideline and lets God work through other people. And guess what? You're cheating yourself. 
You are putting your money in pockets with holes. You are you're having broken cisterns. You're not able to gra- follow the Lord in His giving. If you're not responding to His impetus to give, then you're exempting yourself from the blessing that comes in doing that. And giving is an act of worship. I heard someone say it, I don't remember earlier today in the worship, because of what God has done in us, we can do this. I was the cheapest, brokest drug addict you ever met. And God brought me to the place in my life, it's taken a long time to chisel through that, to where I, I leap at the opportunity to worship God. Because the other day I was walking down the stairs. Now, I'm, not, I'm saying, trying to say this humbly. I'm walking down the stairs in my house and just thankful to God for everything he's provided for me. You ever just stop and look? I mean, after you've been saved for a while, you get used to it. Stop and look around and just go, Wow. He's given me this. He's given me that. You know, it's, no, it's clear I'm not, uh, I'm not starving. I'm walk, this is, this is, you say, this is your belly. No, this is my testimony. <laughs> my testimony of the goodness of God is right here before you today. God has been good to me. He has blessed me. God has given me opportunities. Think, some, I remember when we first started tithing, we would say, okay, God, we're... We got $100, we're going to give you the $10, and we're going to trust you. And then we would stumble on a coupon or something that we wanted that was on sale. And we'd come back and say, man, that's, that's our $10 back and more. You know, it was, like, it was like God was just showing us, there's a way I can, I can provide for you. I can lead you to the right places if you'll just trust me. Because the righteous live by You're getting it. You're getting it. The righteous live by faith. The American church is phoning in their faith. The American church is letting somebody else do the job. But we have the the wonderful opportunity to worship God in our giving. To say, I can give this because you gave to me. I'm looking around to see if we got any kids I... Will corrupt by what I'm going to say here in a second here. Any tender-hearted ears? I'm going to say it anyway. I'll ask for I'll ask forgiveness up front. My wife is already cringing. When a man and woman are together in the bedroom, not folding clothes. If one person is doing this just for their own gratification, it's pretty lackluster. Right? But if both have desire, then it comes to the point where you aren't sure whether you're giving or receiving. Because you are both giving and receiving. And when 
that happens in the bedroom. Come on, somebody testify here now. You better testify over there. I'm just... I can't get no help. <clears throat> no. When that happens in the bedroom, you say, man, that was a good session of lovemaking. Right? Come on, right? Now, I just want to say, I don't mean to get your hopes up falsely, man. What I'm saying, if we can divert our attention from the bedroom now to the sanctuary, what I'm saying is living the Christian life by faith begins by us giving and that God reciprocates back to us and we receive and then we give and then we receive and then we give and we receive and then we get lost and we can't figure, we can't remember what came first, the chicken or the egg, if we're giving or receiving. And, that, and then we call our life blessed. Because we're in the place where we say, oh, I get a privilege to give. The paycheck isn't just for my needs. The paycheck is so that I can bless someone else. I can give to the work of God. I can send something to a missionary. Not a used tea bag, but a brand new tea bag. What's tea? It's just a couple bucks, isn't it? It's like $2. Can't even imagine being that cheap. I'm just saying, if that's offensive to you, then pray. I don't know what to tell you. From the very beginning of mankind, Abel and Cain worshiped God with offerings. Psalm 96 says, bring an offering when you come before him. It says, if you want to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, don't come empty-handed. If you come to the Lord empty-handed, what you're saying to God is, you didn't give me nothing so far. That's how God receives that. So the Scripture commands that an act of worship is to come in and say, here's a portion of what you gave to me, God. You've been so good to me. If you really think about it, what it is, there should not be a dry eye as the basket goes around in here. Every offering should be filled with tears because we respect what God has done for us. You say, oh, pastor, you're making it all about money. When you go to work, you make it all about money. You say, well, no, I'm fulfilled in my job. I love my job. I love my job. I would never do anything else unless they stop paying you. How many trucks are you going to drive, Ray, if they stop paying you? Zero, right. Bupkis, you'll go find something else to do whether they do pay you. Because that's what honoring is. It's an act of worship. I've got to move quick here. It's a way to prioritize God's heart. Deuteronomy 26 tells us, he brought us to this place and gave us to this land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and now I bring the first fruits of the soil to you, Lord, that you have given me. I placed a basket, it says, it commands us to place the basket of the first fruits before the Lord your God and bow down before us. There's a description of how you should worship. You, you, you place the basket of your offering before God and you bow down before him. This is, this is 
puts our heart right on the same page as God's heart. Where your heart treasure is, there your heart will follow, Jesus said. Wherever, whatever you invest in, then God will, will work it. It's just natural hum, humanity, really, to follow where your money is. I have, uh, I have some investment. I, I, I invested in uh, Exxon stock. I've never really cared about Exxon stock until I invested in it. Exxon stock has gone up for nine weeks. I really care about Exxon stock right now. <laughs> Why? Because where my treasure is, my heart is there. I check on my stock. It makes me happy. I go, oh, we're up a dollar. You say, it's just a dollar. Okay, doesn't take much to make me happy. <laughs> it's just a dollar, but I'm happy. Goes down a dollar. I have to trust the Lord. I'm just saying, you're, you're, whatever you're investing in, Scripture says, honor the Lord with your increase, the, the first fruits of your wealth. Bring that to the Lord. And it's an act of worship, yes, but it's an, also an act of saying, I want to get on the same page as you. If reaching the world is important to you, God, then I want to invest in missionaries. If the lost are an important part, Lord, then I want to invest in what's important to you. And, and so I'm willing, to, I'm willing to take that upon, upon my own self. I want to think like Jesus thinks. Jesus sat and watched the, the offerings. Just think about this. Jesus is sitting there watching the offerings in the book of Luke until finally that little old lady comes up and drops in two pennies, and he said she gave more than everybody because she gave out of her lack. She didn't give out of her excess. She gave out of her lack. She gave in faith, in other words, what he's saying. Because the righteous shall live by Another reason why we give is we, we give to store up treasures in heaven. Jesus commanded us to not store up our treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy but, but, and where thieves break in and steal, but to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves also break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I went and grabbed a sweater out of my closet the other day and pulled it out, put it on, and I looked in the mirror and there was a big hole in the sweater. And I said, well, that's an earthly thing. Can't get upset about that. I mean, some moth got in there and started munching on one of my sweaters, and that's it. That's what happens to stuff. You say, well, the whole sweater, is the whole sweater bad? No, I could probably paint in it. But I'm not going to wear it. My wife told me, don't wear that to church. I said, but I'm talking about tithing. If I have a big hole in my... No, I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. I just thought it. But I... The reality is, that's the way the things... If you invest in the things of earth, you're going to get things of earth that break. Your washing machine is going to break. Your dryer is going to break. Your car is not going to start. Your, all this stuff is going to happen to you. Why? Because it's stuff of earth. But your salvation will never rust. It never gets old to see someone come to the Lord. I mean, I don't care how many, how many decades you've been praying with people, to pray with somebody and have them say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. 
give me a brand new life. Man, I can't, I'm not, this is not even a real person I'm thinking about. It's just the opportunity. I get, I get verklempt just talking about it. To see a brokenness come to a wholeness. To see to he- healing begin in someone's life. Then you, because you have to have your mind on the stuff that God loves. Otherwise, it's all just stinking thinking. We give because it's important for us to learn to trust God for our supply. Yeah, we could all probably live to ourselves and eke out an existence and muddle through. But God wants you to test him. My first tithe check. I think it was $9.81. You say, you wrote a check? You cheap son of a gun. You wrote a check for $9.81? Yeah, because that was exactly one-tenth, and I was still sketchy on trusting God with 10%. But I made 90 bucks that week. And so I gave him that. And I trusted him. I said, okay, God. Now my tithe checks are bigger. But the beauty of it is, Takes the same amount of faith. There are a lot of times I can look at my checkbook and say, I don't know, I don't know how I'm gonna make it. There are a lot of times in the church we look at the payroll and the checks and say, we don't know how we're gonna make it. But you know what? I'm not gonna worry about that anymore. Because I know we're doing what God wants us to do. And I refuse to sweat that stuff. Because God will find a way, and if you don't want the blessing, God will find somebody else who will bring up, who wants a blessing, who will bring that into the body of Christ. But just remember, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Just remember, when you're in sparingly reaping, just go back and look at your checkbook and ask yourself, isn't this what I deserve? Just remember, I, I hope I'm not offending you, but I'm going to keep going. <laughs> There's a certain amount of faith it takes me to discipline to give a tenth to God. Now, it's not really as painful as it used to be because I make a little more than I used to, but I also give a little more than 10%. Because that 10% was just the beginning. I have other things I give to offerings. I give to other people. I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you this is how Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm just telling you, if you see opportunity, give. You say, well, I don't, I mean, don't do it if you don't have faith for it. But if you have faith, when in doubt, don't. But if you have faith for it, just jump in for the opportunity. Now, you don't have to buy into the whole 100,000, but you could buy into a portion of it to get a part of it, to be into it. And then when you're, you're standing before the Lord, you know, I, this is, Lord, you see me. If you just provide me more, I'll handle it good. Not the prayer that most of us pray. Oh, Lord, if I get the lotto, I'm really going to bless the church. God knows you're a liar, and he, you're not tithing now. You're not going to tithe, and you get $10 million. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to be offensive, but God knows. Tithing is saying, that place isn't my, isn't my source. 
Tithing is saying, God, you are my source. I can give this away because I know that there is a bigger hand coming behind it. Oh, pastor, are you giving so you can get? No. I got, so I give. And then I get more. And I give more. And then he get, and I get, and then he get, and then I'm like, oh, <laughs> thank you, Lord. It's fun. It's fun. You've got to, you've got to join in. I feel like the guy in the pool, who's treading water to everybody else, going, the water's awesome. Jump in. Oh, you put your toe in. Oh, it's ten percent. I don't know if I can do ten percent. Come on in. Strip down your skivvies, jump in, let's go for a swim. Let's take the swim of faith. Because the righteous live by. It's disciplining ourselves. The scripture says, those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. The store knows your flesh. You go to the Walmart. They purposely leave the lines long so that you have to stand there next to the chiclets and the batteries and the gum, right? And stuff you never even saw before. Electronic devices that you're like, what is that? What is, are people wanting this? You're standing there and then finally something there the bag of jerky calls your name and you say, I gotta have me some jerky. And the flesh wins. The flesh wins. And Walmart isn't doing too bad either, but the flesh wins. And so we, we have to learn to discipline ourselves. I'm not spending that money because that's God's money. I'll have to mooch the jerky off of some other jerky lover. Too many of us are living in worry, living in anxiety. We sang all about, oh, you can drive out the fear. You know, the Spirit of Jesus can drive out the fear. He can't do that unless you live by faith. Fear will always creep in. You know what's better than looking at your, your, your checkbook and saying, I don't know how we're going to make it. What's better is looking at your checkbook and going, I don't know how we made it. It's the truth. It's the same experience, only has joy. The one is filled with fear. I don't know how we're going to make it. The other one is like, holy cow, we made it. You can spike the ball. You can say, Jesus, what a great pass. That always bothers me in football when the guy who catches the ball is the guy, a perfect pass right over his shoulder in the corner of the end zone. He reaches up, and it's right there. And then that guy does the dance. All you did was stick out your mitts and catch the blessing. Right? And now you're, woo, dancing around, <laughs> spiking the ball. You did nothing but catch what was perfectly thrown into your life. Right? The quarterback ought to be able to run down there, hug that dude and say, man, I thought you were going to drop that, you bonehead. And, and be able to dance around in the intersection. In the same way, that's my football critique. In, in the same way, we come in to worship, and God has somehow brought us to the place 
where we, in the end zone, caught it, and then we go, what an awesome pass, Jesus! What a great provider you are! And we spike the ball, and we dance together around in the intersection. It, it, it's just wonderful. Instead, what do we do? Now we put it on credit. We don't have a blessing, so we fake a blessing. We slap it on a credit card. I remind you, the Bible says the borrower is a slave to the lender. The borrower is a slave to the lender. Without discipline, you will still have to work for your blessing. Only your blessing will be given to someone else. The interest holder, the credit card holder. Come on, if you know that's true, raise your hand and say, I, I believe it, Lord. Another reason we give is to ensure that the gospel goes forth. Romans 10, 14 says, how can they hear unless someone preaches? Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on one whom they have not believed in? How can they believe in one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? So we give to ensure that the work of God goes forward. We give because we know the character of our God. He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It is the character of God. Jesus taught this. He said, when you pray in secret and no one knows, God will reward you openly. When you give in secret, God will reward you openly. You can have a secret righteousness where your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing, but God rewards you openly. You say, what, is this some kind of a, is this some kind of a, a prosperity gospel? And this is just what Jesus is saying. This is what my father's like. If you think you know God better than Jesus, then by all means, just tune me out. But Jesus said, this is what it's like. You say, well, the church just wants my money. No. Don't give to the church. You'll get a church blessing. When you give in the offering, you're giving to God. God, I'm giving this to you. I'm not giving this because Pastor Dave said it. I'm not giving this in response to some sermon. Because as uh, Dave said earlier, if somebody talks you into it, somebody can talk you out of it. You can go on the internet right now. Some maybe even are on the internet right now. And you can find someone who disagrees with me. You can always find someone who disagrees with me. And you just have to determine whether or not you're going to believe that because it's convenient or you're going to trust God and live by faith. It's the character of God. He will reward you openly. Jesus said that in Matthew 6, 4. Proverbs 19, 17 says, The one who gives to the poor lends to the Lord, and the Lord will repay him. When I give to pantry ministry, I expect God to borrow me back that sometime. Now, I'm not, I'm, it's not a, I'm not putting in a call for that blessing. But I'm saying, Lord, I have expectation that your word is true. Someone gives to you, they lend the, gives to the poor, they lend to the Lord. And if you lend to the Lord, God's good for his debt. And when it comes down, on December 31st, my house was hit by a tornado. Three days before that, two days before that, I remember 
one or two days before that, my wife and I were sitting in the driveway and we were saying how blessed we are to have this place. That we could get away and spend a little time with each other. And we sat in the driveway as I started the car and I said, Lord, watch over what's ours because what's ours is yours. And we drove away. Two days later, I got a phone call. Your house had been hit by a tornado. Everything splattered all over. I had brothers who were faithful to come help me out, put my, my Humpty Dumpty back together again. And then I look in my checkbook, and the insurance has given me extra money. Oh. Some of that is because I work like a dog to do some of the work myself. But some of it is just my, my wife, my poor wife, I'm going to try to make this short. My poor wife got ripped off by Empire Carpeting. We asked them to come fix this flooring that they put in our basement. They refused to do it. I was so mad I wanted to hurt somebody. But I said, Lord, I'm just going to trust you for it. My wife came to me and she said, it hurts me every time I make the payment on that because we got ripped off by unscrupulous fellows who lied to us in order to get the sale. So with this extra money from the insurance company, I said, let's just pay that baby down so you don't ever have to look at that again. We still got to fix the basement again, but so you don't have to look at that again. Paid it down. I was able to, because of what God gave me, I was able to, to pay down for her and her business so that she doesn't have to live underneath the stress of that. You see, this is, God finds a way. He will find a way to get the blessing to you. I, that's been my testimony. I don't know how. It's better to look at your checkbook and go, I don't know how we made it, but we made it. Somehow, by the grace of God, God has fattened our, caffers, our coffers. He's given us blessing. Proverbs says, a generous, Proverbs eleven twenty five. a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. It's the law of reaping and sowing. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 8, and here's your promise. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things and at all times, I, I love in my Bible to be able to underline all, all things, all times, having all that you need, you abound in every good work. Every good work. What God is saying is, is kind of tagging on what Pastor Seth preached on. God has prepared these good works for you. Now God is saying, 
if you do things my way, I'll fund the good works. I'll fund your ability to bless other people. That's really the, that's really the God honest truth. Your blessing is this, that God is able to bless you abundantly. And Paul is writing here in, in, in context to people who are going to give to the offering to bless the, the church, and he's saying, remember, if you give sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. But if you give generously, God's going to bless you generously. And he says, God is able to bless you abundantly so that you always have something every time you come into a place where you face a need for every good work. If you don't give to God, you have no, nothing to stand on. It's really the truth. But I come into, God, into the presence of God in my prayer time and I say, God, I know there's a lot of work to be done in me. But we got some needs. That money you told me to give, I gave it. You told me to buy a church, I bought a church. You asked me to send a check, I sent a check. You told me to bless that one, I blessed that one. Everything you have ever spoken to my heart to do, I have done. So now, <clears throat> it's my turn. I have a need. You say, you, you talk to God like that? Well, yeah. I can talk to God like that because he knows we're business partners. Because I'm not about my business, I'm about his business. See? And I don't mean to get in your business, but I think your business should be his business too. And if your business is his business, then you know you can come to him and say, God, I got a need. There's a lot of people in here who have experienced need. And the body of Christ has rallied around them, saying, here, let's, let's help you with this. Let's give you some of that. Let's do this. You need a job. I know somebody who's hiring. We... We've, we work together as a body, and that's in the natural, and I get that. That's all wonderful, but the church is more than that. The church is supernatural. And we have to learn that the righteous live by faith. We have to learn. And when we're, when we're looking to give, listen to what it says in Haggai chapter 1. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but you have harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but they are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. God uses money issues to get our attention. Are you in bondage to debt? Are you grabbing up every bit of overtime and working your fingers to the bone so all you get is bony fingers? Are you overextended? Well, friends, you don't have a money problem. You have a faith problem. You don't have a money problem. You have a faith problem. Because God cannot bless money that is not surrendered. He can't bless marriages that aren't surrendered. He can't bless lives that aren't surrendered. We do baby dedications up here 
what is that? That's surrendering to the call of God on the lives of these parents and this child. We surrender that child so that God will bless. The blessing comes on that, which is surrendered. But then it comes to our wallet, and we're like, well, wait, Lord. We'll give you our kids. We'll give you our soul. We'll give you our wives. Because you gave her to us in the first place. But this, I still contend that the reason we put this in the pocket furthest from our heart is because we know that God will get our heart, but we're still trying to keep this far away from surrendering it to Him. You will never be freer than when you begin to trust Him for what He has for you. It's time for us to excel in the grace of giving. It's a matter of spiritual development. Oh, pastor preached on giving. I hope you understand it's more than that. It's a call to mature, to step up and be what God has called you. Now, not everybody's going to do this. I understand that. Some people are already offended. They're never coming back here. I get that. That's okay. You shouldn't ever come back here if you're not going to listen to the word of God that comes from this pulpit. That's that's the bottom line. So we're going to pray today for cheapskates. (laughs) Selfish hearts. Tax cheats. Undisciplined hearts. People who are in financial bondage. People who are slaves to debt people who want financial freedom, people who know they need to live by faith. Bow your head with me, will you? Lord, you said the righteous will live by faith. It's a whole life. It begins in that moment of salvation, but it continues on. We're all, you're always drawing us into that place where we have to surrender. Sometimes it's, it's things that people have done to us, and we have to surrender it to Forgiveness, And sometimes we have to surrender, Lord, the, the desires of our heart only to find that you give us greater desires. Sometimes we have to surrender our own agenda and then you have your agenda, Lord God, that is so much more of a blessing for us. Now, Lord, we surrender our financial goals, disciplines, or lack thereof, and ask, Lord, that you would help us to be mature Christians to begin to walk and trust you. No man has ever given his way to poverty. No man has ever given and surrendered and found himself in the poorhouse. Because, Lord, you always come through. So we cling to the testimony of your word. Amen, amen, our hearts cry. Your word is true. All that the Lord has said, we will do. Father, I pray that you would heal our selfish heart. Help us to give up on our own desires. Give us a vision beyond our 
cheapskatedness. Help us to quit making excuses for our own selfishness. Teach us to discipline ourselves financially. To say no to the little things so we can say yes to the important things. Teach us, we pray, Lord God. Because you are a God who sees what is done in secret. And you will reward openly. I pray for every ministry of our church that it wouldn't suffer lack. I pray for every person in this church that steps out this week to begin to trust you. Maybe it's a new thing. Maybe it's continuing on in in the same old thing. Maybe you're just expanding and saying to them, you've got more. You've got more places that you can use them to bless I pray, Father God, that we would be faithful to follow the voice, that you'll lead us like the pillar of fire and the pillar of smoke in the wilderness of this life so we can know that we're pleasing you. I pray for those, Lord, who are faithful to give, that you would increase them, as I know you already will, Lord God, because that's who you are, the rewarder of those who diligently seek you. So God, you are our reward, our exceedingly great reward. We throw ourselves upon you. We ask, Lord God, that you would carry us through. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. We take pride in creating free content that will hopefully enrich your life and lead you closer to the heart of the Father. If you are blessed by what you heard today, help us continue to make content just like this by sharing, subscribing, and if you feel led, by contributing financially on our website, berwinag.org. As always, if there's anything that we can do to help you in your walk with the Lord, contact us on our website, berwinag.org, or on social media at berwinag. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.